Welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 53. I am your host, Noah Rochetta, and today I'm talking about freedom from the bonds of anger and hatred. Like many of you, I woke up this morning to the sad news of yet another mass shooting, another senseless act of violence that affected the lives of so many innocent people. Prior to this event, I had already been thinking a lot about anger and hatred and how these are common emotions in our society and how hatred can erupt so easily in our society today as well as in our own personal lives, in our relationships and how these emotions affect us so deeply. I think it's important to clarify the difference between anger and hatred. According to Dr. Joseph Burgo, the voice behind the Psychology Today blog called Shame, he says we can distinguish between anger and hatred in two ways, intensity and duration. It helps to think of them as occurring along a spectrum. Anger might be triggered when a loved one does something that frustrates us, It tends to come and go, and it doesn't crowd out all of the other feelings for that person. We can often voice it in ways that aren't hurtful, and hatred lasts longer, and it's more pervasive. It tends to overwhelm us and obscure everything else we might feel. It makes us want to take action, to hurt or destroy whatever inspires the hatred. I think it's interesting that uh, he mentions that anger doesn't necessarily crowd out all the other feelings, something we can still work with, but hatred does. I think that's the key difference. I'm sure you've heard of the expression blind rage. You know, to me, th- this is the danger of an emotion like hatred as opposed to anger. It binds us and it blinds us from the moment-to-moment feelings that we have from other emotions, uh, often other emotions that are also present, like love or kindness, but these things get pushed into the background. We become blinded by the one uh, uh, negative emotion that seems to take center stage. I often think about people who commit heinous acts of violence, like mass murderers or serial killers, uh, people like Hitler, for example. And in most cases, uh, these are people who also feel kindness. They also feel love. They often have families, siblings, parents, or even children. You know, even Hitler had a romantic partner, and he had dogs. I have no doubt that he loved his dogs. He fed them. He pet them. Um, And how is it that someone who can feel love and kindness on one level for some people in their lives, at the same time, can be filled um, with such hatred and, uh, you know, hateful actions towards others? It makes sense to me to think that their anger had turned to hatred and crowded out all the other feelings. It's not to say those other feelings weren't there. I think sometimes it's easy for us to use that uh, image as a scapegoat that someone capable of committing such horrible acts must be, you know, inherently evil or psychotic. And uh, no doubt that psychosis does play a part in this for some of these instances. But in a lot of these instances, I think it's just a matter of hatred becoming so binding and so blinding 
that all the other emotions that are there take um, take a, a back seat. Anger is often associated to being a negative emotion. It's a bad emotion that we're not supposed to feel. I think this is especially uh, prevalent as a, a way of thinking in our Western society. However, the truth is that anger, it's just an emotion similar to happiness, similar to sadness. You know, we're hardwired to feel emotions, whether we want to or not. Certain experiences will automatically trigger these emotions. And oftentimes when triggered, the rational or pragmatic part of our mind ends up just going along for the ride. It's a lot like the story that I share often about the rider on the horse who's galloping at full speed in the field. And when asked, where are you going? Replies quite honestly, I don't know. Ask the horse. Now, if you've ever been in the doctor's office and you've had uh, that reflex test where the doctor uh, strikes your patellar ligament you know, right under your kneecap, you know that the reflex, you can't help it. If, if everything goes according to plan and you're physiologically sound, uh, what happens is you get tapped there and you kick. That's it. The strike placed properly will trigger the reaction, whether you want it or not. And I think our emotions are often uh, similar reactions to specific causes and conditions that are present in our lives. I often refer to the visual example of life being like a game of Tetris. And I think anger may be the emotion that's triggered when a new shape shows up and I didn't want that shape. You know, it's either inconvenient to my game strategy or it's just unpleasant. But the moment that I want it to be other than it is, it's likely that I'm feeling anger. Now, hatred, on the other hand, uh, usually comes up when we feel threatened. There's a sense of threat or fear associated to this. The fear of what threatens us often fuels the hatred to eliminate that perceived threat. So you can see how, from an evolutionary standpoint, this can be a useful survival strategy. However, in our normal day-to-day -day lives, our modern threat assessments, I think, are quite inaccurate. You know, we commonly associate a threat to our self-esteem or a threat to our uh, sense of self-worth as if it were on the same level as an existential threat. And then the feelings of anger can become so uncomfortable that we, we do everything that we can to try to avoid the feeling or to suppress it. And in that case, these feelings become like knots. They're like knots that form inside of us. You know, like uh, physical, from a physical standpoint, this happens with our muscles. You can get a, a knot in your muscle and then it's stuck there until you go and, and you get a massage or, or have it taken out. Knots are, are, are very uncomfortable. And I think emotional knots are similar. If we don't know how to undo these knots, they stay there for a long time. And I'm sure we all know someone who has or, or has had anger or hatred inside of them for a long time. You know, it's not a pleasant thing to see or to experience. Ultimately, these knots, they rob us of our freedom. You know, it reaches the point where we are governed by the knots that we have inside of us. So we're, not, we're no longer free to feel joy and contentment when we're bound by emotions like anger and hatred. I think this is why there's that very effective visual story uh, common in, in Buddhism 
of, of someone holding on to a hot ember or a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. And meanwhile, the person holding it is the only one uh, being burned, the only one truly experiencing discomfort. From the Buddhist perspective, holding on to anger or to hatred, it's not a moral issue. It's not about being morally right or wrong. It's simply an unwise action. Um, so rather than evading the painful truth of how we feel, we're encouraged to embrace the reality of our feelings and to not, um, to try to not, um, you know, to, to acknowledge feelings like anger and hatred, um, to understand them, to understand the causes and conditions that allow these feelings to arise. And oftentimes trying to understand the causes and conditions of the causes and conditions. So managing hatred can be extremely difficult because of its intensity in the moment, because it makes us want to attack or even destroy whatever we perceive as causing it. So in order to be free from the bonds of anger and hatred, we have to practice. This is why I wanted to discuss this topic today, because it's not an issue of saying a magic word or or. You know, we can't simply pray it away or ask for this anger or hatred to be removed from us. The Buddhist approach offers a very straightforward instruction on how we can transform the craving, anger, and the delusion within us. And this is with the practice of mindfulness meditation. It helps us to undo these knots and to experience transformation and healing. Now, something I like to do when, um, when these... Uh, horrible events happen, like the shooting in Las Vegas, rather than just looking at this thinking, you know, that crazy person who could do that, I would never do that. I like to, to pause and think, do I harbor in myself any anger or hatred towards any group or individual that could ever escalate to, to doing something like this? I, I think it's important for us to be able to recognize in moments like this that oftentimes what you have here is a, a relatively ordinary person committing an extraordinary act and and they're not that different from us these are people who are probably experiencing fear anger or hatred to the point where it causes them to commit something like this and i don't think it helps for us to immediately um ostracize them as an anomaly like well that you know that's something an evil person would do but i'm not evil well i i would venture to say that a few days ago that person was probably very similar to us thinking uh you know uh, that they're normal um i i want to reaffirm with this presentation on anger and hatred that anger and hatred are just emotions there's nothing inherently wrong with feeling them like any other emotion, anger and hatred have causes and conditions. And when the causes and conditions are there, the emotion arises. And when the causes and conditions are not there, the emotion is not there. Uh, it's a lot like what we observe in nature. You know, when the conditions are right, it rains. And when the conditions aren't right, it doesn't rain. There's no rain. So for these emotions, um, they can go from being emotions, like I said, to becoming knots, deep-rooted knots inside of us. And I think a big part of what transitions from a feeling, an emotion, 
into a deep-rooted knot is our um, desperate attempt to avoid or push these things away. You know, there's the expression that the what we resist persists, and I think that's kind of what uh, we're talking about here. You know, um, uh, I, I, and I want to make note of the fact that we can get tangled up in the knots of positive emotions too. This isn't just the negative emotions like anger and hatred. You know, when we encounter something pleasant, it can become the object of our desire. And then the very risk of losing the object of our desire can become a source of great suffering for us. So pleasant or unpleasant, any kind of knot, uh, any kind of knot that isn't worked with and, and uh, transformed ultimately takes away our freedom. And this is why I think it's so important to guard our minds very carefully to be mindful of what it is we're feeling in order to prevent the feeling from turning into a knot that uh, begins to take root in us. So anger is an unpleasant feeling. It causes us to suffer. And I think that's why we typically try so hard to get rid of it, especially in our society. You know, it seems to be quite common that... Um, you know, to vent. When you're experiencing anger, you vent. Uh, you know, may maybe we'll take it out on an object like hitting your pillow or punching bag or uh, going out into a field and yelling or screaming at the top of your lungs or, or some form of venting. And, and, and that can feel therapeutic. Like when you vent, it feels good. The danger of this as a practice is that we develop the habit of um, acting out reacting to the feeling that we're having. It's like we're training ourselves to use aggression as a tool to eliminate the unpleasant feeling. Now, sure, the aggression may not be targeted to an individual, and that's certainly better than if it was, but um, we're still using aggression as the tool to eliminate the unpleasant feeling. So the Buddhist approach, the mindfulness-based approach, is instead to use awareness as a tool to understand our anger. So in this approach, what we do is we embrace the anger every time we experience it. And I have no doubt that at times like this, many of us are experiencing anger. So rather than pushing that aside or feeling like we shouldn't feel that, it's more like saying, hello, my old friend anger. I see you are here. You're visiting me again. Come, sit down. Let's visit for a minute. You know, mindfulness doesn't it does not fight or resist the anger or hatred that we're feeling. Instead, it recognizes that it's there. Mindfulness allows us to be aware of what's going on in the present moment. And it may very well be that in the present moment, anger or hatred is what's happening. So we become aware of that. So mindfulness recognizes anger. It allows us to be aware of its presence. It allows us to accept it to be okay with the fact that it's there. You know, um, I've talked about this before in the podcast, how there was a phase in my life when I was experiencing a lot of anger, anger and hatred, I would say. And I was not okay with the fact that I was angry. And that only made me more angry. So I was in this situation where I was angry that I was angry. And, you know, I hated that I hated. So... Um, this takes a different approach. It tries to put us back in the first level of what's going on, which is reality, right? Because I've mentioned this before. There's reality, and then there's the story around reality. So to be angry is one thing. 
But to be angry and think I'm not supposed to be angry puts me in this alternate reality, which is the story. The story I've told myself that I'm not supposed to be angry. So now I'm experiencing anger at being angry, right? So it puts me in a whole new reality that is not real. It's the, an alternate reality. It's the story of reality. So we're trying to get back into the first level, this just reality as it is. Reality may be I'm angry, and that's it, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with whatever it is that we're feeling. Now, I've, I've had this experience as a father a few times, learning that when, when you're holding a newborn and you're embracing them, you're just embracing whatever's there. Sometimes they're, they're happy. Sometimes they're, you know, they're, they're just neutral and they're looking around. But at other times, they're really upset and they're crying and they're screaming and they're kicking. And with uh, one of our kids, with Ryko, when he was little, he had um, issues with his stomach. So his, his little stomach was always churning and turning and he had a lot of discomfort. So he would, he would lay there and he was inconsolable. He would cry and he would scream. Now, when you're holding a crying baby, you nurture, you nurture it. You know, you don't, you don't use aggression. You don't shake the baby to get it to quit crying. That would only complicate things. It would make things uh, infinitely worse. Um, and in my experience, when he was uh, inconsolable like that, I would just hold him and I would hold him tight and I would, and I would talk to him and eventually it would pass. But what I'm trying to say is, um, you know, if we're trying to explore this idea of how can we use anger and hatred as tools for growth, um, there are ways that we can do that. We can, we can use what we're experiencing and through mindfulness, through awareness, we can transform these emotions into a tool for growth. Um, but it does involve an approach that seems counterintuitive. You know, with a, with, with a child, it doesn't seem counterintuitive that if they're crying, you need to comfort them. But when we are experiencing discomfort, a feeling like anger or hatred is not comfortable. So when you feel that, rather than thinking, I need to get rid of this immediately, that's the aggressive mindset. We think, well, what would the, what would the other approach be? You know, to approach this through tenderness, through kindness, through compassion. Um, really quickly, I want to highlight, I, I have a poster hanging here in my office behind me. I look at it quite often, and I just thought about this as I'm talking about this topic. The poster says, no mud, no lotus. Um, as practitioners of mindfulness meditation, we don't want to reject or push away what we are experiencing in life. We want to turn and face it and, and be with it. You know, don't, don't think of your mind as the battlefield of good emotions like happiness and peace constantly fighting against bad emotions like anger and hatred. You know, instead, think of, of treating the whatever's there, whatever emotions show up on an equal playing field with kindness and compassion. Um, when I was experiencing this phase in my life where, where I was experiencing hatred, uh, I was able to transform it by embracing this inner child, you know, this I was able to almost see myself in two roles, like I'm the comforting parent who's holding myself, who's the crying baby, who's just throwing a tantrum, the inconsolable me that was full of hatred and anger. And 
this allowed me to suddenly experience what it felt like to be okay with not being okay, right? there, uh, I was no longer feeling hatred towards the hatred I was feeling. I was no longer feeling anger towards the anger I was feeling. Like I mentioned before, it put me right back square with reality, experiencing the emotion that was there, which in this case was anger or it was hatred. This is like the practice... Um, of self-compassion I talk about a little bit in episode 37, The Art of Self-Compassion. But the idea here is, um, I would say the, the, the first step in becoming free from the bonds of anger and hatred is to just recognize what's there. Recognize it. Don't fight it. And notice that it's not that we're trying to become free from anger and hatred. It's that we're trying to become free from the bonds of anger and hatred. When anger and hatred bind us and blind us, that's when they become dangerous. And I think this often happens in the transition of experiencing the emotion and then fighting the emotion. So once we recognize that anger or hatred is there, we embrace it. You know, instead of fighting it, we try to increase our awareness uh, around it. Why am I feeling this? Or what does it feel like to be feeling what I'm feeling? You know, these are questions that I think are, are good in probing that introspective process of trying to increase awareness around our emotions. Now, I don't know about you, but this, is a, this was a novel concept for me to sit with an emotion like anger and say, wait, the problem isn't that I'm experiencing anger. The problem is that I'm experiencing anger and I don't want to experience anger. Those are two different things. So that gave me the freedom to sit with the emotion. You know, imagine, like I said, you're visiting with an old friend, and it really is an old friend. We've all experienced anger or ha hatred on multiple occasions throughout our entire lives, and we've always uh, shooed it away. You know, you've, you've never really gotten to know this old friend because you're pushing it away every time it comes to visit. So when you learn how to embrace your anger how to embrace your hatred, something will change. Everything will change. So this is the, um, you know, this is why I, I feel this is an important topic right now. Ra rather than visiting uh, difficult occasions like this, difficult um, events that happen uh, cause us to experience anger and hatred. And rather than pushing those aside, I would, I would invite you at this time with what you're experiencing in life, all the crazy things that are happening all over the world right now, the anger and the hatred that, that you may be feeling from this, allow it to be there. Invite it in. Look at it. Analyze it. Embrace it. Now, there's another powerful technique that works very well for working with anger and hatred, and that's dedicating the time and energy to foster alternate feelings like kindness and compassion. So I think one of the mistakes that we make is having the perspective that if I'm feeling this, I need to eliminate this in order to feel that. And instead of viewing it like that, imagine, imagine a stage and each of our feelings and emotions, they're on that stage like actors in a play. So rather than thinking I need to eliminate these actors, these characters from the play, um, instead I need to work with the script in a way that allows the other characters to spend more time on center stage. 
right? Anger and hatred, they're, they're part of the play. They're not going to go away. But it's okay to say, I'm going to allow these characters to spend much more time in the back. And sure, they may emerge from time to time because that's the nature of reality, right? That these emotions, when the causes and conditions are right, boom, they're there. But we can help to create the environment where other characters like kindness and compassion get to spend significantly more time in the front uh, as they become more active in this play of life, right? Uh, I love thinking of life like this, where we are, you're the play writer, you're the director, you're the protagonist, you're the antagonist, you're all of it. This is kind of a fun way to work with that. So to do that, I've, I've recorded a guided 10-minute meditation to help with the process of fostering kindness and compassion. And I'm going to post that immediately after this episode. Uh, that way you can, uh, it'll be a standalone episode that you can download or listen to whenever you want without having to listen to this entire episode. And it's going to be episode number 54. It'll be called Guided Meditation, Fostering Kindness and Compassion. So I would invite you to listen to that after you listen to this podcast episode. And hopefully you can visit that one often. Use it as a tool to develop kindness and compassion. And rather than focusing on you know, standing against anger and against hatred inside of you, allow them to be there, but work for feeling kindness and compassion. Um, rather than spending so much time and energy to eradicate these feelings, which cannot be eradicated, it's not the nature of reality, Spend more time fostering what you do want to be there, the kindness and compassion. So I wanted to share this podcast episode at, at a time when I think a lot of us are feeling anger. Uh, some may be feeling a sense of hatred. Even hatred towards hatred is still hatred. And I hope that we can heal inside of each of us the relationship we have from uh the feelings of anger and hatred. I hope that we can find freedom from the bonds of anger and hatred in our own lives. I, I've, I've repeated this on multiple occasions throughout the podcast and with all the work that I'm doing, which is that instead of thinking we need to go out there and change people, you know, I think we need to change ourselves. And I hope that we can take the opportunity in moments like this to look very honestly at ourselves and ask ourselves, is there hatred and is there anger inside of me? And if there is, instead of aggressively trying to push it out, I want to sit with it long enough to understand it, to see what its causes and conditions are, and then allow it to transform as the play transforms so that other characters can take center stage, kindness and compassion. And that's what I wanted to share with you. So thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with others, write a review, you can give it a rating in iTunes. If you would like to join our online community uh, with mindfulness meditation practitioners, uh, please visit secularbuddhism.com forward slash community. If you would like to make a donation to support the work I'm doing with this podcast, please visit secularbuddhism.com and click on the donate button. That's all I have for now, but I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. Until next time.